0: got your bibles with you and i hope you do we will be in both matthew chapter 28 and acts chapter 2 this morning if you would like to turn to either of those and you're only going to pick one please go to acts chapter 2 and i will meet you there in a few minutes Throughout my life, I've had the opportunity to travel to a lot of different places, going on school trips and things like that. And when I was in the ninth grade, I had an opportunity to go on this really cool trip that went to both Washington, D.C. and to New York City. And when you go to these places, you're going to go, obviously, to the place that everybody wants to go in New York City. You're going to go to the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. If you go to Washington, D.C., you're going to go, obviously, to the Capitol and the Washington Monument. And everybody that goes to those cities wants to go to those two places. And the people who live in those areas have figured out two things. Number one is that tourists are dumb. They're coming there to spend all of their money on lots of useless things. And number two, tourists are also gullible and that they're willing to spend their money in that way. So when you go to these areas, you will have these black market, I don't know, like, like markets of stuff where people are just standing on the side of the road and they're trying to sell you things. You need a little miniature Statue of Liberty? I sure do. I've never been here. I need one of those. And and they love to sell you fake products that look just like the real ones. and we've probably all heard of the fake Rolexes—you know, a ten thousand dollars watch, and they're selling it for twenty-eight dollars on the side of the road. Sounds like a great deal. I need that. But when we were in New York City, we came across something that we just had to have. There was a guy selling fake Oakleys there, and they looked like really good Oakleys. Now, if you don't know what Oakleys are, they're sunglasses, and they're very expensive sunglasses—roughly around a hundred dollars. And these were fifteen dollars. And so I was like, "Well, if all my friends think they're cool, I do too." So let's buy those, right? And so we all bought these Oakleys for $15. And we thought we were so cool. We were just styling and profiling there in 2002. And, and I went looking for those glasses. I still have them somewhere. I went looking for them this week. And I couldn't find them because I wanted to share them with you. And my mom said, you know, I think I've got some pictures of you boys with your sunglasses. I was like, let's see them. So here are the pictures of 2002. This is the epitome of style in 2002 right here. Pretty good, right, with my yellow sunglasses there. If uh, if you don't recognize, us, me in the middle. And then John Poole, who usually comes here, his daughter is here today. That's your dad. Aren't you so proud? That so proud of him. John Poole with the red hair right there, right there. You'll see him often enough around Ramsey Heights when he is in town. He works on the road. So we bought these Oakleys and I wore those things for years. But come to find out a few years later, they weren't as cool as I thought they were. Who would have guessed, right? Um, we, a few years later, a friend of mine, or not a friend, a family member of mine, had bought a real pair of Oakleys. And he, um, he decided he didn't like them, which is just crazy to me, to spend $100 on a pair of sunglasses and then give them away. But he gave them to me, so I didn't tell him I thought it was crazy. And he gave me a real $100 pair of Oakleys. Now, the reason I bring all of this up is, until I had the real thing in my hands, I never knew the difference between the two. To me, they both kind of looked the same, and they both provided the same basic function of shielding my eyes from the sun. But when I had a fake pair in my hands and I could compare them in the other hand to a real pair, I realized they are not the same at all. They look the same, but they're not even close. Because the real pair was made with thought and care for the function and for the quality of the product. The fake pair broke. If you looked at it wrong, it just twisted off the handle. I mean, I had to put it back on there like a 100 different times. Now, why did I bring that up? Because at the beginning of 2022, I want to look at our church, and I want to assess who we were and what we were in 2021. And I want to know, were we, were we real? Were we what God has called us to be? Have we lived our mission the way that we claim to live our mission? Or are we a, are we a cheap knockoff of, of what God calls His church to be? And in order to find out which one we are, if we are a cheap knockoff, or are, are we the real deal living the way that God calls a church to be, we do that by comparison. And so when we look at what do we need to do, we're going to compare ourselves to two things from the Bible. Number one, the directions for a mission of the church in the Bible. And number two, from the Bible, an example of what a real church looks like. And that's what we're going to do today as we review our church in this past year is figure out what we are, who we are, where we can grow, where we failed, and where we succeeded. Now here's a spoiler alert for you. We're going to find some things that we did really, really good, and we're going to celebrate that. I think that's healthy as a church. We're going to celebrate the things that we did well because we want to put an emphasis on keeping those things relevant and doing those things that God has called us to do. We want that to be part of who we are this year and next year and the year after that. But spoiler alert, we're also going to find some things in these comparisons where we we'll say, you know, that's, we're a little bit of a cheap knockoff of the real thing. Like we, we look like it and function, but honestly, we haven't put the care and, and thought into becoming what God has called us to be. And so when we look at our weakness, I think it's healthy for us because it's healthy to put an emphasis on growth in those areas. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to compare ourselves to our mission directions. If you've got your paper from your bulletin with you, our first take-home truth this morning is we assess our success by comparing ourselves to our mission. And our mission here at Ramsey Heights is defined and simplified in the verses of Matthew 28. We call it the Great Commission. So if you've got your Bibles with you, this is Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Like, like we say that every single week here. We use an adapted version of that that we end our services with every week. And that's done on purpose because as we leave here, I want us to have a physical reminder of who we are, what we stand for, and what is important for us. I never want us to forget our purpose. And it's easy for a church to get focused on things that are away from God's commands. Things that, that really don't matter, but for some reason we think that they matter. It's easy for a church to get pulled away from a mission, but the mission is the reason we exist. Let me take that back. The mission is the reason that we meet to serve God. Maybe that's the better way of saying that. Our mission is so important. It's like this. Some of you guys have been in the military, and I have never have, but I've got a pretty basic understanding of how the military works. It's the guy with the more stuff on his shoulder says it, and then all the people with not very much stuff on their shoulder do it is that correct It was pretty close, right? So the military, imagine this. Imagine that you're in the military and your commander comes up to you and they say, okay, here's the deal. I've got your mission. I want this accomplished by 12 o'clock noon tomorrow. We have prepared you. We have given you the resources. You're going to go attack whatever, that hill over there, and I want to take it over and I want to own it by noon tomorrow. I'll be back to check on you at noon tomorrow. And so we would know that our mission is to prepare to go to battle. And the next day at 12 o'clock, here comes our commander back. He's like, how's it going? Did you take over the hill? Did you accomplish the mission? is like, well, Sarge... Actually, Scott wanted to sleep in this morning, and uh, so we thought you know it was like 10 o'clock would be okay. We, we didn't do that, and then that whole taking over the hill thing, that sounded like a battle. Sounds like a big owie, like we're not, we're not gonna do that. We didn't think that, but what we did is we all kinda hung around this morning, and then we woke up late, and we all got our uniforms out and shined our boots and got our uniforms pressed and put them on. We look like the military, don't we? We look very militaristic. Isn't that enough? No, that's not enough. You know why? Because that wasn't the mission. The mission wasn't to look like the military. The mission was to act like the military. And for a church, the mission for us is not to look like a church, focusing on things that don't matter. The mission for us is to achieve what God has given us. Isn't it good enough to meet here and to dress up in our nice clothes? Isn't it good enough to say that I'm a member of a church? No, it's not good enough. Because that's not the mission that God laid out for us. So when we look at the Great Commission, it gives us two basic parts of our mission that we're supposed to accomplish. Part number one says, make disciples of all nations. I love the Great Commission because the way it's laid out so clearly. There is no misunderstanding it. The word make is an action word. It means create. And so God's instructions to you and me, God's instructions to Ramsey Heights is your own mission to make, to create, to bring into existence disciples across the entire world. God, we're a little church in Batesville. What do you mean across the entire world? How are we going to do that? What 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 are we supposed to do? It doesn't say. It says, make disciples across all nations. And the way that you create a disciple is by sharing the gospel with them. Because the Bible says this, is faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That means that we take the word of God, and we spread it verbally across the world. That means we take every opportunity we can to take this radical message that you are broken, that you are a sinner, that there is something wrong with you, something that you can't fix, and that God himself sacrificed himself on a cross for you to be changed. And we take that mission across the world to people who have never heard it. We take that to people who need to hear it. And we make disciples by giving them the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ by faith. The second part of the Great Commission is teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So teaching the people that have become disciples to obey God's commands. Teaching is another action word. It doesn't say observe them. It doesn't say go out and just watch them. It says action. Go teach God's commands. And so we actively take responsibility for the understanding of God and the knowledge of God in other people. That is our mission as a church. If you want to write that down, here it is, points one and two. As a church, church we were responsible for number one actively sharing the gospel worldwide this very important worldwide number two actively taking responsibility for others understanding and growth and this is the only standard for church success everything else that we look at and we may assume we're being successful or we're failing it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you've got a church of seven people or seven thousand people if the church of seven people is taking on the mission, they're in God's will. They're being successful. A church with 7,000 people and millions of dollars who does not take this mission to heart, they are a failure because this is the purpose that we gather to serve God. And Matthew, Matthew makes a point of telling us how important this is because this is how Matthew concludes his gospel. And some of you remember back to school, you, you had to spend some time writing and, and the teacher would always be like, okay, you need a conclusion at the end of this. And I always struggled with conclusions because it's like, I've already told you everything I want to tell you. What does the conclusion do? The conclusion is, what do you do with the information you just learned? what was the point? And Matthew concludes his gospel, the very last thing that he writes in here is the great commission to sum up his point. 23,000 words about the birth, life, teaching, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, and Matthew sits on a hill and he says, "How do I end this?" I end it with the words of Jesus that said, "Get to work. Go make disciples and teach them." I like to call this, this is what I think is an Old Testament, or I'm sorry, a New Testament mic drop. You guys familiar with that term, a mic drop? Okay, this, this, this will affect the younger people and the old people. You're going to learn something. So that, that's how you know if you're young or old, if you learn something or if you don't know. A mic drop is where somebody has a microphone. And they're, they're making a point. Maybe, maybe they're a comedian. I've seen presidents actually do this. And the whole point is they say something and they want to emphasize how important that is. So they take that microphone, that thing that projects their voice, and they just hold it out and they drop it. And it's this dramatic way of saying, that's all there is. I have nothing else to say. Understand the the emphasis of that last point because that's the last thing I'm going to say. I give up my voice at this particular moment. And Matthew tells the story of Jesus and he says, here is Jesus. Here is who he is. Here is what he did. And he's got his microphone and he's writing this gospel out to us. And he says, you've got a choice to make because he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is God of all. You can choose to follow him. You can choose to accept that he gave his life for you or you can reject him. And if you do, when you do, it's time to get to work. That's all. There's nothing else left to say for Matthew. And I think that this says something about Matthew, who stood in the presence of Jesus, who walked along with Jesus, who, who saw Jesus arrested. I think that's something to say that Matthew saw this as a point in his life. Where he said, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And he went back to these words that Jesus gave him before he ascended into heaven. Make disciples and teach them all the things that I have commanded you. Now, if you continue from this point in the Bible, chronologically, you go to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, if you want to turn there to Acts chapter 2... Acts chapter 1 finishes, uh, Jesus finishes his instruction. He ascends into heaven, and then the rest of Acts chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 is just the disciples praying, where do I go from here? What's next for us now that Jesus is gone? And what you're going to see is that the church, the disciples who stood with Jesus, they begin to actively do what Jesus commanded them to in the Great Commission. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into them and that gives them all of these abilities that they didn't have in the past. And we'll discuss this at another time. But one specifically is it gave them the power to speak in tongues in Acts chapter 2. Speaking in tongues means that God gives somebody the ability to speak in a different language language for the purpose of spreading the gospel are proving that the holy spirit is within them and so in this people begin to gather around like what's wrong with all of these followers of jesus all of a sudden they can speak in all of these different languages and guess what peter does in this moment he takes the moment to preach jesus christ he takes the moment to spread the gospel and he begins to make disciples if you've got your bibles in acts chapter 2 let's read what peter says here starting in verse 29 He says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Skip down to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made the same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter takes this moment when there's a crowd around him. And the first thing that is reported of the disciples after Jesus leaves is they pray, and then they go, and they start doing God's work. And then you see the response of this in the following verses. Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart, and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly deceived his word were baptized. and the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I love the way that the Bible lays out. Matthew ends his gospel with, hey, go out and preach Jesus. And then the very next thing that happens that is recorded for us is the disciples go out and do what? They preach Jesus. And not only do they preach Jesus, they see huge effects of preaching Jesus. 3,000 people saved that day. 3,000 people rescued from hell and given an eternity with Jesus Christ because the disciples were willing to do what God had called them to do. And, and if we are going to say that we are this same church, that, that we have this same mission, we have to ask ourselves do we do what the disciples did? We compare ourselves to the real deal to know if we're fake or if we're the real deal as well. Do we preach the gospel? Well, Brown, that's your job. You're the preacher. No, no, no. Do we preach the gospel? Do we go out and make disciples of all nations? And so I took some time this week and I reviewed over the past year and I, and I thought about the times. What, what ways have we done good at this and, and what ways have we failed at this? And I want to share with you today as a way of reviewing our church and comparing our churches the, the things that we have succeeded at and places where we need to grow in. So the first thing I went back to when I, when I thought of spreading the gospel, number one on your paper there, is our October outreach. We reached 75 children plus their families. This was our biggest year for our fall festival or our life night. We had hundreds of people in our parking lot. And we got to tell them about Jesus. And it started with a smile and it started with a greeting. But then we had these kids come into our place and we said, hey, we will, we bribe them. That's who we are. We will give you an Amazon gift card to put you in a drawing for an Amazon gift card. If you will just go through this little scavenger hunt, go find these people that are dressed up like Old Testament characters and let them tell you a story. And so several of us were out there and all the parents were like, that's a $50 Amazon gift card. Yes, you're doing that. And these kids would come to us and said, would you tell us the story and we got to kneel down and talk to these kids of all ages of all backgrounds and we got to tell them from a bible story about the love of christ and how jesus christ died because he loved them and not only did we have those kids walk through it they were accompanied by older siblings and parents with them and we got to tell them about jesus christ to spread the gospel Now, there was no dramatic effect. No child fell out in the middle of the parking lot and demanded to be baptized at that moment. I am a sinner, baptize me. It didn't happen that way. But listen to me, I believe that God will use it because we're being legitimate to what God has called us to do. And so in that place, I'd say we had some success in spreading the gospel. Number two on there, our Operation Christmas Child Outreach. We were able to do the very same thing with 200 children plus their families across the world. And we found out last week that those boxes went to Peru and Ecuador. We really are engaged in making disciples worldwide. And we have beat this to death the past couple of months as we've sent those boxes off. But just understand this, we sent the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ to these children. I don't know what the effect is. But I believe that God will use it because we are being obedient to what he has called us to do. Our financial outreach, this is a number that many of you will be um, interested in, number three here. Our financial outreach, we give 12% of everything that comes into the offering plate immediately to missionaries across the world. For 2021, I want you to write this number down, $12,127.79 that we sent out across the world. And this money goes to missionaries who are taking the gospel to places me and you just can't get to right now. This money pays for their travel and their lodging and their supplies and the resources they need to deliver the gospel. And I think it says a lot about a church when our heart is financially supporting the mission in places that we cannot. And I want to be clear, this is, this is not a checkbox for us that we say, oh, we find ways to give mission money. This is a priority for Ramsey Heights because we believe in spreading the gospel across the world. And this is the best that we can do is making sure the people who are actually going are taken care of and have the ability to do this. Beginning this year, we began this year giving 10% of our offerings to that. When we paid off our building in October, we made the decision, the very first decision that we made, we've got to increase our giving. We've got to increase our, our, um, our financial support of people spreading the gospel around. And we've kept that as a percentage because as the church finances grow, as there is more and more ability within the church financially to do things, automatically our, our, um, we have an increase in money that actually goes out. Compare that to a monthly dollar amount, and we, we get to see growth every single time the church grows financially. And as our finances grow, our giving grows. And I hope in the future, as God opens more doors for us, when there's another time where we're like, hey, we have financial freedom we've never had before. Guess what I hope our very first thing is? I hope we take that money and hope we increase that percentage from 12 to 13 and 13 to 14 and 14 to 15. Brian, when does it end? I don't know. But as God gives us the ability, we're going to increase our giving to missions. And if that, that scares you a little bit, I understand that. Listen, I've talked to a lot of pastors and I've heard a lot of things about, about churches failing. And every time I've heard a church getting in financial trouble, it has always been either unwise planning or building projects that shouldn't have been in there or they hired too many people on staff. I've never had anybody say to me, you know what, where we really went wrong, Brian, where we got our church in financial problem, oh, we gave too much money spreading the gospel. Wish we hadn't done that. I've never heard a church say that. I don't think there will ever be a church that does say that because I believe God will provide as we provide back to his mission and what he has called us to. I don't know where that money goes. I don't know who has it and I don't know how they use it, but I believe God can use it. Number four is our Sunday morning outreach, where we're at right now, our worship service. This year, we have a renewed focus on the gospel. And we have had in 2021, a growth of opportunity as we've had many different people come and visit with us. We've had people come in for maybe one time or three times, or maybe they've come and they've stayed. We have had the opportunity to see people in this building and share the gospel with them. And we don't know what their spiritual background is. We don't know what their faith is. We don't know if they've heard the gospel. We don't know if they've ever received the gospel. And we've had the opportunity to see more people than in the past several years come into our church and, they get to, uh, and we get to share the gospel with them. And it's up to God what he does with that. And I went back and I looked at our message series this year. And I want you guys to know this from the bottom of my heart. I do not pick what I preach up here. I really believe that God picks these things and the reason I know that is because I'll have it in my mind like I'm going to this book or I'm doing that story and I'll be getting ready to announce and I'll be really excited and I'll be like oh that's not right God'll be like no 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 no, go over there like God and I'll I'll admit I'll argue with God God are you sure because that was going to be really good And, and God'll be like no no you need to be over here okay God we'll do it that way and then when we do that, suddenly I'll hear a story or somebody will tell me, hey, I needed that. This affects something. And so I try my best to let God guide us with what we study. And this past year, this, thank you, and this past year, God has pulled us into more series than any time since I've started pastoring, into more series just about the gospel oxymoronic faith, I know Jesus, waiting on the promise. These focus specifically on the promise of Jesus Christ and who he was and on the person of him and delivered the gospel. And I didn't know why, but I believe God will use it. And I want to share this with you. And I went back and forth about whether or not to share this with you because I don't want it to be a priority to us. I, I don't want it to be a focus for us, but it encouraged me, and I hope it encourages you. In these messages, I never knew who God was trying to get saved. I never knew who he was speaking to or how he was growing us. I just do my best to study and do what God calls us to do. And every single week, we record our messages, and we put them on five or six different websites and different apps for people to access them on the Internet. And I hardly ever look at the, at the cause of that or what happens, but I got an email earlier this month that made me dig a little bit lower or a little bit deeper that provided metrics for how many people are watching and viewing our content here, view, viewing our messages. Our messages at Ramsey Heights have been watched or listened to over 3,000 times this year outside of this church. That's, that's amazing. God is taking what we're doing here without us even knowing it and he is using it across the world. Most of those watches were in America but this is what really astounds me. At least once, at least one message was watched or downloaded in 31 other countries than the United States this year. That's something I, I don't want to get too into that. I want us to, to um, be excited about that. I don't know what the, what the uh, effect of those things are. I don't know how long people are watching them. But I have to believe that out of 3,000 times of people across the world accessing our messages, that somebody somewhere was introduced to a Jesus they didn't know. I believe that God can use it. I believe that God can use even something small like that across the world. And so we can celebrate these four things. These are things that, that I think our heart of our church shows. we are trying to do what God has called us to do, and we're excited about it, and we want to do that. But I, I found an area that I think we need growth. So number five is, is our personal outreach, I think, I think, needs growth. And our personal outreach is individual evangelism. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you shared the gospel this year? You personally? Now I'm not trying to shame you and some of you might be sitting here and you're going three times I've done really good and somebody in here may be sitting here and goes every day 700 times this year. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that by the effect of this church, I don't know that we've been doing a good job and I know for a fact for me that I have not been doing a good job of personal evangelism in our community because we have not seen the dividends of that in our church in the form of new believers and new baptisms this year. We've had three baptisms this year and by the way, we are ecstatic for those three baptisms but I think we should have had 10 or 15 or 50 or 100. I don't know, but we need to open ourselves up for God to use us. And I know what some of you are thinking, you don't like this part because you're sitting here going, Brian, I'm not good at sharing the gospel. Guys, I'm a preacher. I'm not good at it either. I sat down with a friend of mine earlier in the year. The last time I had a gospel conversation with him was literally a decade ago. And a few months ago, I had an opportunity to sit down with him and I was sharing with him the gospel because he grew up and he got church, but he never got Jesus. And I was trying to share with him what the difference in, in real faith was and what he had grown up in a religious system. And I was talking to him while we ate, pouring my heart out to him. And I said, man, you need God. I can see it in your life. And he looked at me and goes, you're right. You're right. And I got so excited, guys. I was like, he said, I'm right. Here we go. We're making progress. He knows he needs Jesus. And so I said, what are you waiting on? You've got this irresistible Jesus Christ in front of you. What are you waiting on? And he was tired of listening to me, so he shut me down. He goes, I feel like somebody's trying to sell me a timeshare. You want to talk about being defeated? I said, man, I'm not good at this. But that doesn't stop us if you're not good at it. It doesn't stop us from doing everything we can to open those Jesus conversations. And it doesn't matter if you're good at it or if you're bad at it. It doesn't matter if people accept it or reject it at that moment. It's our job to spread the gospel. And if we will do that, if we will spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe that he will use that. We've just got to open the doors. So overall, on the first part of our mission, I think we've got a lot of things that we can celebrate and I think some things that we can hope for some growth in in 2022. And I'm thankful for both of those because we're never going to be perfect. And God is and will continue to use us. So we look at the next part, the number two part of the mission is we actively take responsibility for people's knowledge of Jesus Christ and of his commands. If you've still got your Bibles open, we're going to continue in that same story. Acts 2, and this is verse 42, just one verse. So after 3,000 souls were added, this is what happens. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So as we look at this, once part one was accomplished, once the early church went out and they did what Christ commanded them, they spread the gospel and they made disciples. They saw people come to Christ. The next part is what we call discipleship, where they actively took responsibility for growing those people's faith and their knowledge of God. And four ways that this verse tells us that they were teaching people. Number one is what we think of with teaching is they sat down and they taught verbally what God expected. Uh, number two was fellowship number three communion and number four prayer so let's compare ourselves as a church how are we doing in teaching like the early church how are we doing in those four categories category number one is the opportunities for growing disciples growing through teaching has been a strong focus of our meetings this year we we are meeting in this church three times a week for small groups for our worship service and our midweek study And our small groups have seen a huge jump this year because they were shut down by COVID. So our small groups, our Sunday school, began meeting again early this year. And we were able to be here with each other and sit in class. And we went from having one online class with a few people to two meeting rooms full of people here learning about Christ. And let me just say, we have four excellent teachers, our teachers and our assistant teachers, four excellent teachers that dive into the Word and they dig into the Word and they pour the Word back out into people. And I'm so proud of our classes and of our teachers in this church and what they're doing. And, and another point that I think is really important to look at is this year, we have developed, or I should say God has developed, a new teacher to step up into that role. And I don't want to say his name because Jared is really shy and he doesn't want that kind of attention. But but I'm so thankful, brother, I'm so thankful that you have been a student of the Bible and you're now turning that and pouring that back out. That is success within our church. In our com- kids' ministry, it is growing. You know what the best sound in the world is? It's when you sit in the adult Sunday school class and, and you hear feet running up and down the stairs. It sounds like a herd of elephants when you're in that Sunday school class but every time I hear it I'm like thank God there are kids in this church and they're learning about Jesus and we are seeing a growth in that this year with our our teachers who are dedicated to teach at their level. Watch these kids come out of class. They're going to have a craft and they're going to be able to tell you what's there and and they're going to tell you what they learned and the stories and the pictures that they've seen. They are learning at their level. Our teachers have been so dedicated to meeting them where they need to be. Our children's church in my opinion, is thriving. Not only do we have people who are dedicated to it on a weekly basis, we have other teachers who are willing to fill in for short periods of time so that um, everybody has a chance to be in worship. And this is a safe place in our church where our children come and they learn basic truths about Jesus, that he's real and that he loves them. And one day that teaching, listen to me, one day that knowledge will turn to faith. I believe it, that our kids will come to know faith because of the efforts of the people that teach them in Sunday school and teach them in children's church. Our Wednesday night's ministry for kids is prepared. We're just waiting on kids. So if y'all want to bring some without kidnapping them, we shouldn't do that. But if you know where some are, get them up here because we are ready to teach them and tell them about Jesus Christ. This year, we have seen a resurgence of our youth group. We have a small but dedicated group of teens that are coming here every single Sunday and every single Wednesday night. And they're building relationships with their youth director who offers them wise counsel in the ways of Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited to see these relationships being built that are gonna turn to faith and turn to deeper discipleship. There are so many things going on here that we are doing well at teaching Uh, midweek for the adults we have our soap class it is the most diligent study of the bible i have ever sat in and it is one of the best parts of my week every single week our worship time we get to experience this together we meet to grow in teaching we are succeeding in that although we still want to grow secondly we are growing through prayer we are seeing collective prayer weekly in our church now, prayer is a way of growing people and teaching people because Christianity is not a religion, it is a relationship. And you cannot grow in your understanding of Christianity without connecting and communicating with God. And I believe that's why the disciples spent so much time teaching people to pray. And I'll be honest with you, I cannot I cannot gauge what our prayer life individually is like. I don't know how long you pray, how many minutes you pray, I don't know what you pray or how you pray, I don't know. I hope it's growing every single week. So I can't get measure that, but what I can measure within our church church is two things. Number one, I want you guys to know that the deacons and I meet weekly for prayer time, and that's a priority for us, that we meet and we pray for the effectiveness of this church. We pray for people to come to know Christ. We pray for people to be grown here. And secondly, something we've started doing this year that I absolutely love is we begin our messages and our worship by praying together collectively and quietly. And the reason for this is, as a church, we get to come together, even if it's just for a couple minutes, and we get to let our hearts join together in crying out to God. God, grow me. God, here's how I think about you. Here's how great you are. God, save the person in the pew next to me. And we get the ability to do this and grow in prayer. And people who may not have spent a lot of time praying are learning how to pray through those moments. There's no such thing as enough prayer, but I believe that God can use what we have been Uh, doing this year our next one number three is uh, growing through communion and i'm sad to report that on this one this is a failure and it's a failure of leadership Communion is when we come together, and you've probably heard it called the Lord's Supper, when we come together and and we take the Lord's Supper and and it points us back to the cross, the the broken body of Jesus Christ and the blood pouring out of him for my sin and for your sin. It is a time of remembrance that constantly refocuses us and re-anchors us on the specialness of Jesus' sacrifice. And because of COVID and the added difficulties of COVID, we have not, uh, there have been some new obstacles in in having communion and I have not been diligent to... um, I've not been diligent to seek solutions for those and I seek your forgiveness for that. It's something I've been very, very convicted of for the past several weeks and as I was looking in the scripture, it was here. Uh, We will fix it this year and we will grow through the Lord's Supper and through communion together because it's what our God calls us to do. Number four, growing through fellowship. This will be our focus for 2022. This is another area that COVID has assaulted the church. And when we think of fellowship, we're from the South, and we love Southern churches, and everybody hears fellowship, and your belly starts rumbling, because we all know that fellowship means the good old eating meeting, right? Fellowship is so much more than just what we call fellowship. Every single time we come into this church, it is fellowship. When we meet here for worship, when we come for classes, when we meet here for work days, when we meet here for needle classes, We are fellowshipping in that moment and our strength in Christ grows as our relationship grows with other believers. I believe we have great fellowship here. But I believe that we need to grow this and grow our community. This is the priority for us in 2022 is growing community in this church and bringing in people into fellowship in the church that maybe you are disconnected. I'm gonna speak more on that next week as, as we look at our 2022 focus. This is an area that we can grow in and that we are gonna grow in and that I'm very excited. So if you compare us overall to the scripture of the mission of the church and you compare us overall to an example of the church, there's a lot of ways we're similar and there's some areas that there's some areas that we need to grow in and that we should grow in. And I want to emphasize both of those because it's both healthy for us to to celebrate and to commit to doing better. But there's one more component to the Great Commission that we often lose. And the component is the why, the purpose. Why do we care about the Great Commission? Well, it's in the Bible, okay? But why else? Why is it so important to us to be Great Commission Church that, that follows this? And it follows at the end of this when Jesus himself, words of him, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Our last point on our outline is Jesus's presence is with us in this mission. And you have to ask yourself, why is his presence with us in this mission? Why does he say, I will pour into this with you? You want to know why? Because it's not my mission and it's not your mission. It's his mission. This is this is what Jesus Christ came here to do. This is his mission and he has invited us into it. When you ask why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? He came here number 1 so that people who did not deserve him could have access to him. So that he could save us from our sins. He came here to spread the gospel not by message but by action on the cross. And number 2, Jesus came here because he was beginning the process of restoring his people and freeing them from a sinful lifestyle. Those two things sound an awful lot like spreading the gospel to all nations and teaching people to obey God. When Jesus Christ came here, he lived the Great Commission. As a matter of fact, if you'll look through the Bible, almost every story of Jesus, he is either pursuing the lost or teaching the found. There is no middle ground for him. And he invites, this, invites us into his mission. And so the Great Commission is the essence of who Jesus Christ is. And if we are followers of Jesus Christ, guess what? The Great Commission is the essence of who we are. Live if you want to make your way up here. And so what we hope to see is a repetition of Jesus' example, that we will seek the lost, and then we'll teach them as disciples, that they will then seek the lost, that they will teach disciples who will seek the lost, who will teach disciples, and on and on and on. And we gladly embark on this task because one time, one time we were lost, and now we're found. Every person in here, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a product of somebody else's great commission work. That they shared the gospel with you. And if you have grown in Christ, you are the product of the fact that somebody has poured into you and taught you to obey Christ. And so as we stand here as a church and we look at God and we thank Him for our salvation, I want to see it in other people. I want to share the gift that God has given me. I want to share it with the world because everybody should have it. And this morning you may be sitting here and going, Brian, I can't participate in that mission because I've never felt that. I've never felt lost and I've never felt found. Well, let me tell you, Jesus Christ came to the world to save you across the world because every last one of us were broken and running from him and rejecting him in sin. And yet he came here and loved us enough to say, I will take the gospel to them with my own blood. And then he provided churches like this to continue his mission. If you haven't accepted Christ, today is the day. What if today was the day that heaven rejoiced because somebody came to know him in this church? And for the rest of us, I challenge us as a church in 2022 and every year and every Sunday from now, we put the Great Commission at the heart of who we are in everything that we do. This is our response time. If you want to talk to me, if you want to pray, I'd like to invite you up here. If you want to pray where you are, you're welcome to do that. If you want to just take a moment to recognize Jesus and worship him because he means everything to you, just sing as loud as you can. Please stand.